following message is transmitted at the request of the New Jersey State Police Department. Authorities recommend that the following actions should be taken by all members of the public. Stay indoors if at all possible. Have enough food and water supplies for sheltering for one to two weeks. The following message is transmitted at the request of the New Jersey State Police Department. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 117, and today we're talking about World War Z. This great and fantastic film stars Brad Pitt. This is where I'm going to get in trouble. Marielle Enos, it's a great first name, interesting last name, and Daniela Curtez. Curtez? Something like that? Anyway, I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. If you're going to chop off my hand, I want bourbon, not one of those little vodka travel things, Slover. Damn right. You know, Steve, Ken, Jeff, when we said we were going to do this movie, I did. I had not seen it in theater, so this was my first viewing of it, and I thought we were going to watch a zombie movie, and instead, what do I find out we're watching? A superhero movie. Okay. It's a superhero movie. This you guy w- is just a superhero. It was... Anyway, we'll get into that. Okay. Very good. All right. And also joining us is our other very good dear friend, Ken. CPAs and lawyers are essential personnel during the zombie apocalypse. Rony. That goes without saying. <laughs> As food. Well, As food, sadly, yeah. yeah. But I got to say, yeah. that, you know, I, I just hope that someday I can I can make as much speed as the zombies in this movie make. Man, they're fast. They they're, are fast. You know, I, there's, there's slow zombies, medium zombies. There's fast zombie movies. I think these are the fastest zombies of any zombie movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, they were tackling like Brian Erlocker. And speaking of fast zombies. <laughs> I'm dangerous over short distances. And welcoming him back from his long overdue absence is our other very good and dear friend and favorite, Penny on the Rail. Jeff, I hate fast zombies. Monsey. <laughs> I need to be gone more often so I can hear my intro again. Um, <laughs> hey, Steve. I didn't know if I told you this before, but I have a list that I keep in case the zombie apocalypse actually happens. After watching this movie, I've added a few things to it. Um, there will be no mass singing events around me. <laughs> um, I will make sure that whoever's in the vehicle pays close attention to where they're driving at all times. I will always wear my seatbelt when flying an airplane, and um, I need to commandeer a trash truck. <laughs> <laughs> and you forgot one, Jeff. I'm sure. Which, well, hold on. Let me get my list. Okay, I've, here you go. Always have a small yippy dog oh with you. Oh, my God. It's, it's, that's, the, that's the zombie alarm, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yep. But didn't much. they have dogs warning about the Terminator showing up? Yes. yes. Yeah, I guess yes. it doesn't matter if it's zombies or... Killer cyborgs. You want to have dogs? Well, they they actually have dogs now that can actually detect cancer, certain types of cancer on patients. Public service announcement. Great. Thank you for that. All right, folks, we're doing World War Z today. And I know it's Fourth of July uh, weekend, but we've had, as you are well aware, a lot of absences uh, due to vacations and whatnot. And uh, we really didn't have a chance to really have anything in the uh, DVD queue from Netflix or uh, Amazon, so we were ready to go. And this one was streaming, so we figured, eh, what the hell, let's do this one. 
And it is, obviously, it's uh, another of the zombie genre movies. And this one, I believe, is based off a book. God, I can't remember the guy who wrote it. Max Boot, I think Max it is? Brooks. Mel Max- Brooks's son. Oh, okay. Where did I get Boot? Maybe Doss <laughs> from your from your encyclopedia of names is where you got that from. <laughs> that was it. <clears throat> so anyway, that was uh, that was. I've never read the book, so I have no idea how this ranks up there uh, in terms of the actual storyline on that. But uh, again, it's one of those. It's it's a new one out there, uh, fairly new, I should say. That is in the ongoing genre of zombie movies. And I did see this in the theater, took um, uh, Deb, the small child, and my neighbor, um, Eric. We went to see it at the theater, and I kind of went in with some low expectations. You know, because I'm like, ah, I don't know what's going to happen with this one. Um, but I, I was fairly pleasantly surprised. And I'm going to kind of get into why I think this one is a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, different than the normal genre that's been out there. I think they're, they took a different type of tack on this one that you just don't see in the other zombie movies. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with this great and fantastic film, here is the Man Cave movie review intro. United Nations employee Jerry Lane traverses the world in a race against time to stop the zombie pandemic that is toppling armies and governments and threatening to destroy humanity itself. Hey, can someone give me a hand? Wow. I love that. Thought that one up all by myself, too. <laughs> that. Can somebody give me a hand? Anybody? Uh, folks, when you see the movie, or if you already saw the movie, I'm sure you're either saying, yeah, it's one six son of a bitch, or it was pretty funny. But, uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's pretty much the background, and it, it sounds like your typical type zombie type movie, but I want to get some first impressions before we really kind of delve into this thing. And, uh, like I said, Jeff, since you haven't been here for, <clears throat> I don't know, the last, what, six, seven months? Well, it's felt that way. Well, well, thanks, Steve. Um, you know, and since it's been six or seven months, let me catch up on all that time right now, shall I? You know, I, I also, ha- I didn't see this. Um, if, if, if I can't be sold on the trailer, then I probably don't want to see it. However, I would, uh, the trailer looked interesting to me, and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll catch this when it comes out. I did want to see it, and I'm glad you, you, uh, you, uh, suggested it. As you introduced me tonight, I, you know, I hate, I hate fast zombie movies because, you know what, the whole world is, is over. It, it's done in, in one day. Um, especially as, qu- as quickly as, um, they have the, um, the zombies, um, manifest themselves in this movie. I mean, it's, it's just, you see a counter at one point, you're like, there's just no way humanity's surviving this. I, as I, as I got into it, it starts off quick and it really, it, it's a race for the in, in, entire, entire movie. It did keep me into the movie. I never felt there was a lot of, um, downtime. I was, um, there's a lot of change in scenery, which I absolutely love in a movie. And in the end, I realized that this was a different type, a different take on the zombie genre. Um, and I didn't really pick it up until the end. And I thought it was very interesting, the different spin that they put on the mythos of the zombies. Again, I hate fast zombies. Um, and as we alluded to, you know, these, these zombies, when they hit, they hit hard. 
but their motivation in this movie is is different than I've ever seen before, and I I liked it. Um, and in the end, um, there were there were some things along the way that I just I had to I had to roll my eyes at at times. Um, you know, driving erratically in a chaotic situation and not paying attention where you're going was one of them. But I understand some of these things were like plot devices that had to kind of get us to the next scene or get us into the precarious situation that we needed to be in. Um, but all in all, I, I, I thought as the movie progressed, it, it actually got better. And, um, so I was at the end, I wasn't cursing your name or anything. And actually at the end, I thought, you know what, that, that wasn't bad. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see what the other guys thought, but you know what? Um, for a first viewing, I thought it was, uh, was, was, uh, a, ni- a nice hour or two hours and, and five minutes. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I'm like Jeff, and it's an interesting different take on the zombie genre in the sense that it's it's more of a global take instead of an intimate, here's a handful of survivors trying to hold out somewhere, wherever somewhere happens to be, your mom's backyard, the mall, whatever. So, you know, that giant, that James Bond kind of feel was um, was interesting, but it also gave me a bit of a disjointed sense in the movie. Um, and because it just felt like they were trying to rush events to get from one thing to the next, which wasn't bad, but it, it just felt like they were struggling with the script. And if you read some of the back, pardon me, backstory, it seems like they really had troubles with the script. And the book is not anything like the movie, so I can understand where they struggled with that to a bit. Um, also, as I referenced earlier in my comment, I understand why they did it but it became a bit tedious to see uh, Brad Pitt's character, Jerry, as what he was basically a superhero. Um, he was going to get out of any situation, no matter even if he had um, six inches of steel through his gut. He was going to just get out of it. It was a solid movie, but I think that's one of the things that um, kind of left me flat, was I didn't have any emotional attachment to or buy in really to any of the characters or wonder, or wonder if, if, if someone that I am beginning to get interested in is going to get schwacked. A solid zombie movie. It'll be interesting to talk about it in detail, but I, I think all in all, I am glad I waited until it came out, uh, streaming because I think if I had paid full price, I would have walked out disappointed. Okay. Uh, Ken, thoughts? I've got a mirror of a few things that have been said. I- I didn't read the book, but I've read several summaries of the books. I have, I know, I've been in conversations where people are, you know, raving about the book. They thought the book was the greatest zombie book ever made. And, you know, obviously we're reviewing the movie and not the book, but, you know, the book takes a lot of disjointed views of this zombie apocalypse without settling on any one person. This book, I mean, this movie, you know, it has Brad Pitt as the star. He is the connector to all the scenes as he does his, you know, globe-hopping around-the-world tour to try to gather information. I have a tough time, like Mark said, just, well, it's just different, because the only character with continuity is Brad Pitt. It's not like a lot of other movies where you got, a, you know, several people you, you care about. Brad Pitt meets people, and then they die. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a downer. Visually, a good movie. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I hated it or I was disappointed. I wasn't expecting that much, and it's probably a little better than I was expecting. So, 
I think is a good addition to the zombie genre, but it is kind of, I'm not going to say flawed, but disjointed just by the fact they were trying to shoehorn a different, a whole different type of movie off of the book that they were basing it from. I think that just sort of threw it off and resulted in this movie that's kind of a mishmash. Steve, can I jump in here well, real quick, wait. or would you like to? Sure. A little bit of research I was able to spend time doing because of my busy schedule. The, the book, it appears, is written as a series of UN reports. And one of the challenges they, that the, the writers had was trying to create an actual movie or story from the way that the book was written. Because there's not really a central character, I guess, in the book. There's just a series of reports and events and just retellings. So if that's the case, it would be, if you're trying to stay true to the book, I can only imagine the challenge and difficulty with trying to 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 use a source piece as and then create a script from it where there is no central character theme running through it except that there is this global problem. And and I see what Mark and, and Ken are referring to. I mean, there, there are some some tough things here that just, as far as the flow of the movie. However, I did appreciate the the effort that was put into it to try to create a story that took you on like a global jaunt. I mean, you really went around the globe trying to solve this international mystery of how to how to stop what's going on. Um, I just wanted to just kind of throw that in there. I don't know if you guys had that as part of the information and your research that this is what we're, this is the problem that we're having to overcome with the screenplay is it's not a typical narrative story. It's it, the, the writers really had a challenge on their hands and there were several reshoots along the way because the production company didn't like some of the, well, the last third of the movie when it was originally shot. That's good uh, that you brought that up, Jeff, because I wasn't aware of, of what the book was really about or what it was trying to portray. The thing that I liked about this movie, <clears throat> excuse me, good Lord, longer. The well, thing I liked about this movie. The good movie, thing is with you being as sickly as you are, you're safe from zombies. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Ken. Touche. Um <laughs> I should start writing my will. <laughs> no, what I liked about this one, though, is the fact that most of your zombie movies, I mean, we've all, we've seen enough of them to realize is that they're all pretty much the same as then you got the central plot is you get a, a band of survivors get together and it's basically hold out, try to find a place to hide, go to a safe zone. That, that that's basically it. That's pretty much every zombie movie plot they're all the same it's just a different take on this one what i liked about it is that's not what this was this was an entire effort being made to not just say oh christ we're all gonna die we have to hide somewhere it's like i think we 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 need to find out what's causing this and try to cure it or or, or develop like they said to develop a vaccine and, and do something to prevent this from you know going forward so that's where it is with me. That's what I really liked about this movie is it it comes at the zombie genre from a totally different angle. It's about not just survival, but it's about 
reversing the whole process. And I thought that was pretty cool. And like you said, Jeff, I like the whole, you know, travel the world type of stuff. It kind of reminded me of the James Bond movies where it's like, oh, we got to go from here and then we got to go from there. We got to go here. And it kind of had a little bit of a James Bond feel to it like that. Those are my initial thoughts on it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, that's one of the reasons we, in the last Bond movie we talked about it, it's one of the reasons I always enjoy it. It is complete change of scenery. So every 20 minutes or so, you have something new to look at, and it just freshens up the show a little bit. And that was one thing. I mean, I think it was somebody that was involved in this had done the last, I think had done the last, what, Quantum of Solace? Uh, Had done one of the last Bond movies. I think I read that somewhere. Maybe it was one of the writers or something. But to me, the movie just stayed, it just stayed fresh. And at times, maybe it didn't appear that it knew what it wanted to do. Um, because I think that they, they, they were kind of writing this as they went along. And like I said, once the studio got it and they said, okay, after Jerusalem, it, the movie became a problem in the original shoot. And so, Everything after Jerusalem was a second, basically a second video crew that came in or camera crew that basically reshot, had the actors come back and, and shot it because the original had them going to Russia and Brad Pitt was out front charging, leading the charge with the Russian troops into a zombie horde. And. Right. That would, they said that's just, it just didn't make sense. So, you know, I think they did as best they could with what they had. Um, and I think the other thing was they were, as I think Mark or Ken had said, it, it does feel rushed because I do think they kind of rushed this into production in general to try to get it out there to capitalize on all this that's going on now with the zombie stuff. So whether that's a good or bad thing, that's for everybody to decide. Well, it appears they made it, from what I've read, they made enough bank on box office that they're preparing a sequel. Yeah, I did see a sequel on this, so. Yeah, anything that makes over a hundred and, or I'm sorry, five hundred million dollars is gonna get a sequel. You can at least get half of that in a sequel. Is that how much this made? Worldwide, yeah, it was, it was almost six hundred million dollars. Holy cow. I mean, it made, it made made its money back just in the U.S. alone. Okay. Because I, I was going to say, I saw, I thought the U.S., I, and I didn't look back, but I thought it was like, it said the uh, tickets were, uh, it's like $202 million. And I thought, I don't know, that, I thought it did better than that. But, yeah, I must have been just looking at the U.S. Well, that's a, a thing that I, I I can't say it bothers me, but it just like puzzles me. Because when this came out, I wasn't picking up like any buzz of, you know, people I know just saying, oh, i got to go see this movie, it's awesome, or, you know. Lots of reports on TV or the papers about you know how great it was doing. It just sort of quietly made a boatload of money, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think people. I wonder if part of it is it's kind of in some ways hard to quantify because it's been noted it, it was outside of the typical zombie genre, it, and it's not a war movie with zombies. So it was, and it's not Twenty Eight Days Later. So I think one, I wonder if part of it was it was hard to quantify. So the, you know, the reviewers and most people just kind of said, oh, it's, it's an action flick because really that's more of what it is. And that's pretty much how I've got this categorized for the podcast guys is I've got it as an action flick. And there's one thing I do want to throw out. Uh, and I don't know if you guys notice this 
and I and I noticed it very much in the theater. As a matter of fact, Deb was kind of hesitant to go see this with us, but um, because she's not into the blood and gore. As a matter of fact, she, she my wife, God love her, never made it past the I think the, the like the opening credits of uh, Zombieland. <laughs> because this, <laughs> go first. No, it wasn't that part. The scene where the they show the scene where the woman hits the thing. She goes through the the, oh, the front window, the little, and the, then the suburban mom. Yeah, the suburban mom goes through the front window and face plants on the pavement, and then leaves the blood skid mark going. Deb said, "I'm out." Got up, walked out of the room. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this is Zombie Land. This is the zombie this land. is the friggin' spoof movie, right? Yeah. She's like, "I'm out." epic well you know that's why this movie got a pg-13 rating because it didn't have a lot of the gore um and they they made a a point to try to kind of keep that to a minimum um but well it was very much to a minimum i mean there was literally no gore really at all i mean you see zombies getting shot they go down but there's there's very little blood and guts and stuff like that flying around. Um, I mean, even the one scene where you see Brad Pitt pretty much oh. burying the, uh, the crowbar in the one zombie. And he can't get I it mean, out. He <laughs> yeah. can't get it out. I mean, because, I mean, you can just look at the look of panic. I'm like, good lord, how far did you bury yeah. that in his head? You got the one zombie coming after him. He's trying to pull up. You can just see him going, God shit. <laughs> But I, I thought that was kind of interesting about this movie is that I, and, and honestly, I didn't know it, was, it had a PG 13 rating until you said that because I, I didn't even think of it. I just anymore, a lot of these type of movies, I just go in there thinking it's R. I don't even look at ratings anymore. Um, so that did kind of surprise me a little bit, you know, but this movie's not without its dark tones. I mean, that, um, you know, that scene when he's in Israel and, uh, and, and Jerusalem is falling and, uh, you know, the, and the one Israeli soldier gets bit as like, oh man, that, that, that was a hard scene to watch for. But anyway, that, that was just. Yeah, I think PG-13, you can get away with some stuff. Um, it's, yeah. it's just the totality of it. Um, you know, I, I'm at that, that point in my life where the, the, the ratings of movie come up frequently and often. And it's usually followed, uh, I should say it's usually prefaced with, can I see that? Um, and, and I have to do some research to go, mm, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can't, I don't, I can't remember if there's too much blood or language or whatever. Um, but I think they really wanted, I think that's probably why it made as much money as it did. Um, is you know, a lot of, a lot of movies try to avoid that R rating if they can, because it does limit the amount of audience they can possibly get. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I think, Steve, going to, before we go on, just the last thing I want to say is um, when we were talking about the, the viewpoint of this movie or what other zombie movies have done, we've never really seen a zombie movie from the standpoint of what would be the government response to a zombie apocalypse, right? Because it's, all, right, it's right. always from the, per, the, 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 the vantage point of the victims themselves, or like you said, this is the first time we've really, and we've always wondered what, what's the government's response or what would the UN do or what would, because globally what would happen? And I did enjoy seeing it from that vantage point of, okay, well, 
you know, of course you would end up on a carrier group, right? That's where you would end up in the middle of an ocean, right? That would probably be one of the safest places. You know, never really thought about it before. Um, but, you know, you would want to try to solve the mystery of the problem. You would find a solution, try to find a solution. And, and it was, you know, you know, whether it was a one man army out there trying to figure it out, or I guess I started out as a two man army, um, until somebody tripped and fell. Um, but, you know, I, I, I did, I did like, did, I did like the, um, the presentation or the vantage point from which we, the lens that we saw this movie from. Well, and I think maybe that's what this movie is doing a little bit, is you are seeing the government response um, from that from that viewpoint. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, the government's or the world response, the international community's response, because this is a worldwide thing. It's just not happening here. And I think that's what makes this movie different than the other zombie movies. The other zombie movies, it's you're, you're seeing snippets of, you know, what's going on, but you really don't know what the government's doing or what, or what governments or, you know, anywhere are doing. Um, so like, again, going back, that's why I said this one's a little bit different and it would, it put a different, I don't want to say a different spin, but just a different perspective on the zombie, uh, you know, the zombie apocalypse, uh, uh, genre. So that's what, I mean, that's what I, that's what I took out of this, but, uh, just real quick to move on. One thing that's kind of interesting about this movie is that really other than Brad Pitt, I mean, I, who the hell was in this movie? I don't know any of these people. Uh, I mentioned the other two, uh, uh, female roles basically was his wife that was played by, uh, uh, I believe her name is Marielle Enos. And then there was Daniela Curtez. And I apologize if I screwed that up, which I probably did. So, um, you know, I'm just going to have to just have a standing apology right off the bat on every show when I foobar a name. So, and she played the, uh, uh, Israeli IDF, um, uh, soldier that was, uh, I think assigned to him while he was in Israel and then, um, pretty much just stuck with him throughout, uh, pretty much what the latter half of the movie. And I mean, I've never seen those two in anything. So I've seen the, uh, uh Muriel Enos. I'm like, she was in a, um, I think it was, either, I think it was an FX series called The Killing, where she's a detective trying to solve a, um, um, a murder. And, I, and I watched half of the first season and it, it, she, I thought she did a really good job in it. Um, the story just, um, just didn't captivate me. But that was the first, that's how I recognized her. And that actually came after, um, I, I should say it was, um, before this, that series started, I think, in a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. Um, but beside that, um, I, I haven't seen her in anything else. And the um, Israeli girl, um, who who was kind of kind of badass, um, you know, I just didn't see her becoming a major character when we first introduced her. But I did like that. Right. That it was just like suddenly this character is just going to kind of evolve into a, a main character in the story. And just just to say, hottest babe with a buzz cut ever. She beats Vasquez? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking hot now. I'm not talking... Oh. I agree. She t- totally beats out Mila Jovovich. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start it. I'm just agreeing with you, Steve. I'm just agreeing with you. 
<clears throat> All right. Well, we're just going to move on from this before I have to beat Mark Sesslis the- just because he's there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I, yeah. I get to calm him. I get to calm the savage beast. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, there's actually, there's two other people that are in this movie. They have like real bit roles that I do recognize them. Uh, one of them was David Morse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's been in a bunch of stuff and I remember him. He was in the green mile. He was in the hurt locker. He was in the rock. Uh, he was in a, I'm trying to remember that. I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the movie. He was in with Bruce Willis or he played a crooked cop and it was really, really good. He was also in the, um, in the, uh, the negotiator. negotiator. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, I like me some David Morse. Um, just a very yeah. cool actor. And I gotta say, I was kind of pissed off. Kind of pissed off when he didn't have a bigger role in this movie. I thought, yeah. when I saw his name on the opening credits, I was like, yes! Love this guy. And, and the role in some respects didn't make sense. Because uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, here's the CIA guy who's giving you these hints and what huh <laughs> with a toothless <laughs> smile <laughs> right huh <laughs> Just, it, uh, it, it was like they they needed to they needed to try and find some logic gap leap and so they stuffed the david morrison there in that role and that's not a discredit to him as an actor no. yeah well he's well, he's gumming his gumming his lines, but <laughs> it was it was kind of funny. But you know, it yeah. it was you. It was, it was when you got to him and his character. I'd be interested to see what Ken thought. It, it for me, Ken, it, it was like I ne- I understood that this was going to be sort of a a mystery type of show. That there were clues that they were leaving in this movie that they were going to leave you to try to figure out along the way. And it was when we got done seeing his character, I was like, okay, well, they're, they're trying to lay something out here, and I'm, I apparently need to pay a little bit of attention. What'd you think, Ken? I don't think that's, well, yes, they were, but I don't think that anything that he was saying really had any long-term, any, like, assistance to what Brad Pitt was trying to accomplish. I mean, his mission. Well, let me, okay, let me, here's what I took away. Tell me if this makes any sense. The whole reason that he was doing what he was doing was in an, he would, the, the thing he left Brad Pitt with was saying that if you can't bite somebody, you can't pass the disease on. And it was a clue to how this thing spread that it wasn't, it wasn't just a virus because they were trying to figure out exactly, well, maybe we should throw out a spoiler alert there. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, like in The Walking Dead. We still don't necessarily know how people got it. And in this movie, it was, well, is it bacterial? Is it viral? Is it, you know, what is it that causes this infection or whatever to, to spread? And, and David Morris's character, I thought, was trying to say, look, if you can't bite somebody, you can't give it to anybody. And so that was a little piece of the puzzle to say, okay, well, how is, you know, trying to figure out how to, how is this transmitted? How do people get it or whatever? And so that's why I thought his, his role was important for the mystery side of it to the, the investigated, the investigated side of it. Yes, you're correct. that He's giving clues, but the whole movie you're seeing, I mean, clues are being laid out at various points and, you know, you're seeing it through Brad Pitt's perspective. 
So because he's the one gathering the information, trying to synthesize it all. But I, I didn't go into it going like, okay, I'm going to really pay attention and watch the clues because I mean, anybody that's seen a zombie movie knows what the clues are. I mean, hey, put it that way. Okay, it's unique to Brad Pitt, but I've seen dozens of zombie movies. I know you know you got to get bit. Oh well, I, I just I understand what you were saying, and I can appreciate that. But I just did not get into. I didn't. I didn't put that much importance on myself picking up the clues. I noted them as they went along, but I kind of thought I figured. You know, I, I just made assumptions. I mean, modern day, when you go to a, a zombie movie. So much of them borrow from others that you there, there's something you sort of count on. Well, but there's I well, mean there's you know, a mythos out there. I mean it's not borrowing. I mean this is just kind of established canon along the way. I mean it, it you know you have variations and you have um you have hybrids or variations of the story or the mythos. But you know the fast zombies is the most recent one I think. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the same thing with like vampires. There's a certain amount of given familiarity to to the supernatural in that case. Um, same thing with Frankenstein. I mean, you know, these are all things that are you know, that are just they have an origin, and we're just building off of the origin a little bit. Maybe we might take it a different route. I'll agree. At one level, it just. As I'm watching this, I'm going, well, why does Brad Pitt have to get on a plane and fly to South Korea? Can't he, like, get on a radio and just talk to them? And actually, he could have gotten all that information just with a, you know, half-hour conversation on radio. He doesn't have to fly there. Well, my understanding is they were out of communication. Because remember, when he landed there, everybody's asking, what's going on here? What's going on there? They were basically cut off. There's got to be some communication somewhere. I know that's what they said, but it's like, really? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, when, when stuff, when stuff starts falling apart, I mean, it, who that's, knows? Yeah, who knows you got a point. I, now I just got my thought back. One thing that Mark had brought up on this, and I see it in a lot of the other classic zombie movies are, you know, you don't really get into the characters because it's all about, you know, you, you got a band of people. They're all trying to survive and they're, they're very two dimensional. But to, you know, to just kind of like, you know, look at a, another zombie, the very popular zombie show that's out there right now is The Walking Dead. That is pretty much the opposite. It's, it, it's the, the classic thing of, you know, we're trying to band together and survive and all that, but there's not a lot of the whole going out and killing zombies. That one is very much more a character study. It's very much more about learning about the characters, learning about, you know, what makes people tick, how do, how is this affecting people all the time? And I guess maybe you could do that because it's a miniseries. How do you do that in a two-hour show without making people do dimensional? So, But, I mean, I think that's why if you're going to do that, if you're going to do a zombie-type movie where you're actually going to try to do some kind of character development, you, you almost have to do it in a miniseries. Or, or a TV series like The Walking Dead. Mark, you have a thought. Well, I guess the other thing that bugged me in the sense of engaging with the characters was, unlike Ving Rhames in um, Day of the Dead or Dawn of the Dead, whatever that reboot was that we reviewed, yeah. and, and a couple of the other characters like the mall cop, the problem I had with the protagonist, Jerry, is he's just so monotone. He's just so matter-of-fact throughout. He He hardly ever got excited. He, he was just on, on this level playing field, and you just, 
again, maybe that's part of why I just felt like I didn't really get engaged with him as a character because you just felt, well, you know he's going to get through it because he's just being this level guy throughout. And it was, in some respects, boring. If I had been going through all of that, I think there would have been a few moments where I would have lost my shit and happily clubbed a zombie to death like a baby harp seal. <laughs> I think that's just one of the issues that this movie has. They went this they went this direction with this type of character development or lack thereof because they had to tell they were trying to tell a more global picture. Right. And I don't know, and maybe that was part of his persona because that was um, you know, Brad Pitt was he was this UN investigator. He is he, you know, he has seen you know, the horrors of war, he's been to all these horrible different places. Yeah, this is obviously on a much grander scale, but maybe that's just how this guy is. Maybe maybe he's just the, the way he is. Everybody kind of reacts to things differently. You know, he may be one of those guys that's like in, uh, like when we watch Saving Private Ryan, who, you know, is pretty calm, cool, collected, and, you know, then when no one's looking, completely breaks down, starts crying. So, but you don't get to see that. And, and I don't know. I mean, personally, I thought he did a pretty good job in this. I mean, I, you know, unlike a lot of people, I, I don't have a problem with Brad Pitt. I think he's a pretty good actor. I've enjoyed, um, most of the movies that I've seen him in. Uh, there's been some that you can definitely tell his performance is pretty bad based on who's directing it. And, but I don't know. I thought he did a pretty good job in this movie. You know, Steve, I like Brad Pitt as an actor, and, and what you get with Brad Pitt is what you see in this movie. I mean, he's a, he's a, and I'm going to assume that this is the way he is in real life. He's just a like a laid back, kind of methodical type of guy. He's not flashy. He's kind of the thinking man. Um, this is this is what he is. You know, this is the this is who they wanted to cast for that role. I liked it, and I thought he did a great job. I wanted to go back to your point about, you know, character development. And I think you, you said it, um, you know, in two hours, I mean, you're, it's about story, not about characters. And you said, well, if you want to see character development, you know, go watch The Walking Dead. Well, here's the problem with the, with that is there's been tons of criticism for The Walking Dead because of all the character development that goes on in the show. And this is one of those things that just aggravates me in general about movies and TV is, it, it, it's sort of like the political process. It, it, whatever issue you have, 50% of the people, it doesn't matter which which side they're on, are going to voice their opinion at some time, and it's going to sound like a, a large voice. Because whether, whether if, you, if you if you like character development, well, then you're not getting it in a movie, so you're trashing it. If you have two, if you have character development in a TV show, well, there's too much of it, it's too slow, it makes no sense, and the other side voices their opinion and says, well, I don't like it. So it's just like you can't please anybody in any given situation. I mean, it's just not possible when you have a story-driven movie to have a lot of character development in, in World War Z, I don't think. The Walking Dead has the opposite effect. You have so much character development, people just trash on it because of all the feelings that are being given out. Well, that's they're, they're telling stories. They're getting you to understand the characters. I mean, that's how they're doing it. Well, some people just don't like that. If you want, and, and if you had, if you wanted to have that in a movie, you'd have a three or four hour movie, and then people would complain about the length of the movie. So you can't win. Right. People just can't win when they make something. So that's why I just I try to just enjoy the movie for what it is. Because, I mean, that's, that's what they presented. I guess if I could come up with another $120 million, I could go make my own damn movie. But 
if I'm going to have $120 million, I'm going to do nothing but play golf. So there you have it. <laughs> well, it's like you said, Jeff, you can't really do character development in two hours or, or even three. You know, unless you're going in there with, uh, uh, you know, like a, you know, like a pre-written script that everybody's, or, or a pre-written book or storyline that everybody's reviewed and then they go and see the movie and then it's a matter of, okay, you already know who these characters are. You know, kind of like when we, when we talk about, um, the miniseries Dune, we already know who these characters are because we read the book and then you can go see the movie. Well, I shouldn't say see the movie. Go see the sci-fi <laughs> miniseries and you'll see some great character development in that because you already can picture who these people are. But it's very difficult to do that in these kind of movies, and I agree with you. I mean, to me, I like I like both kinds. I mean, I like The Walking Dead. It's like, you know, at some point, you, what, what is the movie supposed to be? You're supposed to be just running around bashing zombies every five minutes? Well, okay, that's going to get old after a while. you got to have something to fill the spaces. And I personally, I think this movie did a pretty good job at it. But anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about favorite scenes. And I'm curious to see what uh, your guys' thoughts are. Actually, Jeff, since you haven't been here forever, we're gonna put you on the pedestal. Actually, you're on. You're in the big boy chair right now. I've blabbed all night. Um, all night. I'm exhausted. I need to go take a freaking nap. <laughs> go chew on your chew toy. I, I, you know what? It's very soft and rubbery, and it's just really. I mean, you know, whenever you got a toothache, it's just good to kind of you know latch onto. Anyway, so I want to hear this. Uh, <laughs> Um, where was I? Um, I was digressing. Favorite scenes. Um, I'm going to work backwards here. Um, I did like, um, I like how they presented the, when they made it to the World Health Organization and they were trying to find a cure. I did like, I really liked the panned out view that we had of them working their way slowly through the facility to where they needed to go to get the um, to get the the medicine, I, and I liked the, the the combination of that with the the music, which was tension music. It made you kind of get a big bird's eye view or big wide angle view of these guys making their way through. I really liked that. I did like the Jerusalem scenes, except for the singing scene. It's just. I know Mark will chime in here soon, hopefully, about that. Just, Can, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years of building walls and nobody put, hey, battlements, you know? Why would we put battlements and, and towers? And, but no, we have a bunch of yin-yang singing, and the next thing you know, it's, hey, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet for zombies coming over the wall. Dumbest f***ing scene in the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I was having the Steve Michaels moment there. I- I teed it up for you, and I wanted to hear you knock it out of the park because um, we had talked earlier no, no, in the no, week about not. that aggravating. No, but nobody's watching. Nobody. Nobody's watching the wall, except for that. Except for that little piece there. I did enjoy the Jerusalem scenes, and and I and I did like the the chase through the city. That was it was pretty. I, I did enjoy that. And then the last um, the last one I really liked was um, uh, it was in the first act of the movie where all hell's broken loose and and they are on your your standard survival mode of just kind of going from place to place and seeking shelter um, as quick as they can and and I and I and I like 
I like that. I like the way they did it. I like the precautions that he took. It, it, Except it, he didn't take the car keys out of the uh, RV. Oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. except for that, Mark. Except for that part. <laughs> You're just like, what? What's wrong? I love it. They walk out, they look around like, where's the RV? People, don't you? I don't, I don't leave my car keys in my vehicle now. Uh, but anyway, mm. but it, it felt, I don't want to say like a video game, but it did feel like a left, uh, left for dead moment. Um, yeah. And, 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 scene there. And it was your traditional, typical scene you would see in a zombie movie where people are trying to figure out how they're going to survive and, and, and running from zombies. And, and I like that. Um, but the movie evolves from, from there. So those are my three favorite points in the movie. Well, since Jeff, like, has already talked about <laughs> every good scene in the movie. <laughs> that's just my good scenes I mean there's others I'm going to throw out one I'm not going to say it's a great scene but I kind of liked it and the more I think about it I I appreciated how they placed it in the movie and it's that scene where they're flying along it's a nice sunny day and they look down and all of a sudden a great big mushroom cloud billows out and something's getting nuked down there and nobody even mentions it for the rest of the movie it's just ah well you know times are tough <laughs> yeah. Where was that? I'm figuring, um, I'll take a guess and say Iraq, Pakistan, it's somewhere Iran. you draw a line between Korea and Israel, and you probably come to somewhere around Pakistan or Afghanistan or India. Yep. Nobody's yep. nuking anything in Afghanistan. Well, maybe Afghanistan, but maybe Afghanistan as well. No, no one but you. <laughs> But it's just that, that idea that, yeah, if all this there. hell's breaking loose, yeah, maybe somebody will decide, hey, we can, you know, sterilize, you know, our neighbors or something. Well, you know what, Ken? That's actually an interesting point. That while all hell's breaking loose, why don't we just give, uh, give our neighbors, uh, the what for, um, while we can, because nobody's going to be able to do anything about it. That's you know, good. Payback's point. a bitch. Yeah. There won't be any now. Maybe it was India that was lobbing it over there. It's, it's, they don't again. They don't say anything about it. It just happens, and it's it just rolls on. Well, yeah. and they both and the pilot and uh, and Brad Pitt's character just kind of look at each other like, "Did you just see what I saw?" Yep. Yeah. Well, because it just shook the electronics uh-huh. and the, uh, the the airplane a little. And bit. I do like Brad Pitt's pilot because he actually does the logical thing once they do get to Israel, which is, "Holy shit, I'm getting the hell out of here." Yeah. 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 You got anything else? No, nah, that's. I'm just gonna throw that. I, like I said, Jeff grabbed every good scene I wanted to talk about. I'm sorry. The the one I liked, another one was when they early in the movie when they get to the apartment complex, the the Hispanic couple, and then the the and Steve's now mad at me because I took his scene, and the <laughs> flight up the stairs. Because I took because the, back to your Left for Dead comments, um, Jeff. Because Left 4 Dead 2 has that in it, in a hotel. Oh, okay. That, the, which is a lot of fun. But I, I like that whole, you know, they're starting to figure out how they're going to have to fight these things, and he tapes the knife onto the end of the hunting rifle and makes it a bayonet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that whole escape up the stairwell, I, I like I that, how well that was done, because there was some real tension there, and it was it was... It was one of the few times where I actually did give a rat's ass about his family, and then I didn't care more. Um, uh, but that, and you echoed it earlier, I really liked, I thought the pacing was very well done, and the how they thought out how they were going to infiltrate the one section of the, the WHO um, uh, 
uh, compound. I really, I thought that was some of the best parts of the movie right there. And that was, that, that in a lot of ways salvaged that movie for me in the sense of there was some really good tension in how they handled that and how the characters handled themselves in that part because it was smartly done. Well, and that's, you know, yeah. so many times we have unfortunately said as the movie goes on, it, it turns out it just gets, it goes downhill. Armageddon, Independence Day. Um, and, and this apparently could have done that had they not done the reshoots. And this is one of the situations where, you know, we may not be wholly happy with exactly how this all came out in the end, but the end result this time, I think, won out and was better because of the reshoots. Had it not happened, we, it, 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 we just may not be so happy with the, the end result. Because we still don't get closure on it. We still don't have closure on the story. No. Well, they closed it enough that if they did, couldn't make a sequel, they could get away with it. Yeah, I mean, it, there, there's enough where it's basically, I think now it's, the, the second part of this movie is going to be, well, I don't want to say anything because you're giving away spoilers at that point. And there's some people who probably haven't seen this, so I don't want to do that. But, um, but I'll just give you my favorite scenes real quick. Obviously the one I, I like the whole scene with them with the Hispanic family in their apartment and, you know, and that, that flight up the stairs scene was, was great. You know, and Brad Pitt's reaction is when he thought he got blood in his mouth where he runs over the ledge and starts counting. Yep. You know, because it only yep. takes 10 seconds. I just thought that was because, you know, his family standing there going, what the hell are you doing? Yep. And he's ready to jump over. And I'm like, holy crap. But, you know, now that I look back, to be honest with you, I thought the whole, you know, initially, I think when I first saw it at the theater, I thought the whole scene at the uh, WHO or the World Health Organization place, I, I thought that was kind of boring in a way. But now I look at it at the second showing, that was really a great, you know, the best part of the movie. Uh, you know, obviously the Jerusalem scene, you know, is real action packed and pretty sad to watch. But, but I thought that pretty much was a great scene when they're, you know, infiltrating. And then when he finally gets to that, to the one vault he has to get to and. Again, another one of those dumbass plot devices. I'm going to leave the only weapon I have outside the door when I go in. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) It it was like they set you up for it, Steve, to be mad at that moment. Yeah. For the rest of the because because it's one of those things when when he does it, they actually focus on him putting the crowbar outside the door, and then he walks in. Why? Why? Why did you even do that? That thing would never leave my hand. I don't care where I was. And all you're doing is pushing buttons on an access code panel. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you need two hands to open the door. Yeah. Door opens. I walk in. Oh look! Well, son of a bitch! I left my crowbar out there. Huh? How did that happen? <laughs> and you know that's actually kind of a cool part about. This whole thing is, is that when you get to the point where they're there, they realize, you know, guns make noise, although she does use hers a couple <laughs> of times. But it's that whole thing of, you know, here, you get the, you get a crowbar, you get a fire axe, and you get a baseball bat. 
oh, they all have their, they all have their merits, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. I mean, because that's, I think really when you start getting to a certain point, it's literally going to get down to that level. You know, sooner or later you run out of ammo or you can't find it and you got to start using blunt instruments. So. Well, but Steve, I mean, that's, you could have all the bullets in the world. I mean, it, it's eventually you're going to run out. And right. that's one of the things I liked about the, the Walking Dead is, I mean, they really have adapted to, you know, that's fine. You know, if you've got a weapon when you, if you got a firing weapon, that's great. But you always have one or two other weapons. Um, and even then, you can't hold out forever. I mean, uh, you know, you saw it in uh, 13th Warrior. Um, you're going to get tired at some point. And, you know, th- we're talking about overwhelming numbers against you. Uh, you can't hold out forever. You're going to have to do something. Absolutely. All right, guys, let us move on to one of our favorite parts of the show. And that is, brother, what you drinking? Jeff, how's that pedestal feeling? Well, you know what? Um, while you're showing me some love, I mean, who am I to turn it away? Tonight, I am, I'm drinking, um, a, a beer that I'm unfamiliar with. It's called, uh, it's called Brown Cow. And it does not taste like cow shit. Uh, it's from, um, the Carson's Brewery, um, which is in Evansville, Indiana. And it's called the, uh, Brown Cow. It's a brown ale. And I'm, 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 I'm big on marketing. So anybody that, you know, and a lot of these, uh, microbrews, um, are, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty witty. Um, and I, and I like them. Uh, read the back here. It says Brown Cow, um, Herds forth a complex biscuit and dark toast aroma. A beige head corrals this brilliant copper brown beer. Seven different malts with balancing hops round out the medium dry finish. Amazing. This cow won't steer you wrong. Did you get all the puns? Did you get all the puns? Oh, yes. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. Anyway, um, not it was it utterly uh, fascinating. Utter. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. But um, you know, I, what I don't like, I don't like the the trend now to do four packs in an effort to still charge you, um, you know, nine. Hey, yeah, nine, ten bucks for, you know, for your beer. This came in at like six ninety nine for a four pack. So I thought, well, you know what? I, I can deal with that. But, um, these are, I'm, I'm finished two already and, uh, I'm getting ready to, uh, when we're all done here, um, go up and, uh, grab me another one because, um, very, very nice mixture of the, uh, malt and hops, a little bit of the hop, but it, um, it's not, not at all muggy on the uh, on the taste buds. Very well balanced beer. Like it a lot. Sometimes those brown ales can get a little watery too. Not watery. Bland. Nope. It it's it's more on the malt side than than, than on the water nice. side. It is but a nice sweet. No, it's not a wheat. It, you, I mean, there is you feel this nice mid range between kind of a stout and kind of a, you know maybe like a lager or something. Um, okay, so it doesn't have any of that sweetness because sometimes nope. the malt. Over them. Nope. It's, it's, it's well balanced. I haven't had a beer that I've been really happy with down two of them in the time that we've been doing this little podcast. Of course, by now it could be four hours for all I know. Well, 
between you and your dog, Chewy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark, share with us. Uh, I'm over at Steve's, the Schloss Michaels, and I brought him beer, and then I brought good beer. Um, <laughs> he can share with you the beer I brought him. Um, Upland has a beer. I don't know if, I don't think Steve had had it before, and I brought it over, and I'm going to nope. leave some for him. Jeff, you may have, you may be familiar with it. It's called Campside Session IPA. No. It's an IPA, and boy, it, Steve will attest, it smells like it's going to just pucker your lips right up and <laughs> suck the inside of your brains out. And I'm not a fan of that, but when I poured it, it's, it's a crisp, nice, refreshing IPA with, with, it's got a bit of a, a zip to it. But it's it's a well balanced IPA with not a lot of uh, sour um, flavor to it. What would you think, Steve? Well, I agree, Mark. I tried it and I well, I, I took a sniff test first because when he said it was an IPA, <laughs> I thought I'm gonna see what this one's yeah. all about. And I it, it it didn't pucker my gums. I felt my colon <laughs> squeeze it. <laughs> it went straight for the colon. Yeah, it it. But when you drink it, it's really it's mild. Crisp. It's real smooth. It's very, very good. I highly recommend this. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is the summer beer, gentlemen, uh, right here. Let me tell you, that was, it was awesome. And not one of those tart, nasty aftertastes either. No, not at all. Not at all. It was really good. But like I said, when you smell it, you're like, oh my God, this <laughs> thing's gonna, this is gonna be painful. So. But anyway, all right. But yeah, very good. Yeah. So you got you got a double review because Mark is actually in I, in the bunker. I'm in the bunker for the Fourth of July. Nice. I can hardly wait for Steve to share his. Holy cow. Well, all right. Let's just say two words. Skunk piss is what it smells like. You know, I went and looked for some strows this week after I heard the last podcast. I was like, I've got to find some strows so I could drop off. I was on a mission to find. I saw it. All right, all right. So uh, Ken, you're going to be last since we've got the band back in town here. So uh, my turn. It's now time for Flashback Friday on Brother. What you drinking? Like I said, Mark's in town and he is actually in the bunker right now. And he told me, he says, "I've got you. Uh, I've got your beer." For you for uh, Flashback Friday, and um, he brought he brought <laughs> holy cow Can't he wait. brought me some windows. <laughs> he got you what? I brought him a sampler six pack of shitty beer. Oh yeah, God, they have a sampler six pack. <laughs> no, of I had to build beer? it. No, no, I had to build it. I had to literally blow the dust off some of it. <laughs> I remember this one from college too. This is uh, I'm actually drinking Mickey's. Oh, Mickey's! <laughs> it's not even beer. It's not even beer. It's fine malt liquor. <laughs> fine. <laughs> being How's it going down, Steve? Oh, not really well. <laughs> I may not be coherent by the end of this show if I just drink one more of these. But uh, anyway, it's formaldehyde uh, in it. Holy crap! But when he said it smelled like skunk piss, he was not kidding. If you you actually have to hold your breath when you drink. <laughs> I, I mean, oh dear God. Oh, it smells so bad. Oh. Uh, 
But anyway, that's, uh, uh, he's been, it's not something that he's quaffing down either. He's, he's, he's like drinking it like it's turpentine. Whew. And it's still a Mickey's Big Mouth, isn't it? Same it bottle. It's still a Mickey's Big Mouth. They still make this stuff. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, let's see. What else did I get him? I got him Hutipole. No, don't give it away. We're, I'm all right. All right. We're yeah, going to save him. Yeah, I gotta save right. those. Those are, that's gonna be my shitty beer week for about uh, the next, a, for about five, the next weeks. five weeks. There. Oh my god! Literally two of them. I had to blow the dust off. Of. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have seen Mickey's, and Mickey's was actually going to be one that I was going to get <laughs> next. Um, you uh, were going to try a six pack of that shit? Well, I was just going to buy it, and the other one <laughs> was just going to be Target practice. Um, but I had. Um, it's like alien blood. If you drop it on the desk, it'll <laughs> just burn right through. What's it taste like, Steve? Um, it's well, hold on. <laughs> He's wincing. It's kind of hard to tell. It's got it's got a little bit more of a carbonated type of taste than than most beers do. You know, to be honest, I hate to say this, but it tastes a lot like a Zima. <laughs> I'm I'm just disappointed. Be I'm just disappointed, disappointed that you even know what that tastes like. Oh, Zima? oh, come on. Everybody tastes at a Zima no, at no, some no. point. No, no, no. Well, then let no, me no, be, no. Let me no, be the only let one. Be, let me be the only one. All right, fine. Even I drank it's a girl's drink. It's not a girl's drink. I mean, I drank it once. I mean, it's not like it was it, my It, it was a chick drink back in the day. Girl's drink. They didn't market it like that way, but it quickly became it. This from a guy who carts around a bottle of, what is it? <laughs> Cougar bait? R- Rum chata. Rum, oh, cougar bait. I, I got a whole big bottle of that ready to go for this weekend. <laughs> like put I it down. <laughs> God, I love you so much. <laughs> I don't know what you're uh, laughing about because Mark actually, you know, if you're on the hunt for oh. print, you take the bait that applies. Whatever they're biting oh, on. No. You fish with that. <laughs> That's right, Jeff. Oh my goodness. This podcast turned Mark, into. next time you have a big <laughs> gathering down there with a, a fair amount of women, buy yourself a bottle of rum chata, stand back and see what happens. I'm just going to drop it in the middle of the floor and then watch it like zombies. <laughs> Start running to it. <laughs> just run away. <laughs> Maybe that's the zombie deterrent. Just throw some bottles of rum chata at him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. And last and certainly not least. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. My darling, All right, Ken, what do you got? Uh, since the last podcast, I've actually been fairly busy with this holiday season hitting. There's a lot of events going on. Last week, some of the highlights were uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ryan, and a couple of his friends formed a new band, so I went down to watch them in their inaugural presentation down at the Melody Inn, historic Melody Inn. Uh, nice goth hipster joint down by uh, 38th Street. Had a good time that time. Uh, Did you last- stand out like a sore thumb? Oh, not as much as I usually do. I mean, have you, have you been in Melody Inn lately? Not lately. Um, but I mean, I, I hear it's, it's the place to go, but that's it, probably why I don't go. It's been a hot spot. Again, it's the, the hip 
cool alternate music, uh, rockabilly. I mean, they have all kind of different music all the time. Yeah, I kind of suck out what it's worth. I'm in my nice corporate logo shirt and all. It's been there, what, 30, 35 oh, probably more years. than that. I think it's been there like probably 50 years. That. It's been around forever. No, I'm, I'm married I just got to dust. And that place says nothing about me. Right. But anyways, I can, I can recommend the Melody Inn. It's a cool bar. A lot of character. Uh, stayed for the show. Good show. Uh, Went to a couple of cookouts last weekend. Uh, one at a woman I used to work with back when I worked at the state house. Uh, she and her husband had a nice cookout and then watched fireworks. Had fireworks up by their house. Great food and uh, good catching up with them. Uh, another friend that actually lives right down the street from the Melody Inn through a cookout last Saturday. And uh, the highlight of that was we decided we were going to go over to the park around 11 o'clock and shoot off firecrackers. And, uh, did you know there's an ordinance against shooting off firecrackers in a public park in the middle of the night? One that police yeah, do enforce. Yeah, there's a curfew on that. It's, yeah, it's well, 11 yeah. o'clock. Or is it midnight? Yeah, the, midnight the, the week cop, before. The cop rolled up and, you know, he like parked right next to us. And, you know, the theory was he didn't even get out of the car. I mean, he looked over <laughs> and he sees a bunch of like 40-ish, <laughs> you know, Folks sitting there shooting off firecrackers, we scattered like the wind. So anyway, <laughs> he, run, you, run, you know, Forrest. He, he just would have simply said, "You need to stop that now." Well, he didn't even have to say that. When he rolled up, it's like, "Show's over, let's go." So that was kind of a you know something different. I haven't been rousted by the cops for a long time. Um. See what else? Uh, last night went to the Vogue Theater, saw a group called G Love and Special Sauce uh, with some friends of mine. Uh, we were discussing them before the show. A, a fun group. Uh, had the got the uh, bottle service. Uh, Chad is you know he, he sprung for the bottle service. We got a really nice spot. And they just kept bringing the booze, and it was very nice. Uh, very nice night. And then finally tonight. I went down to Rock Bottom downtown. A uh, couple I know is in town. Uh, they live out on the East Coast, and uh, but they're in town for the holidays visiting relatives. So uh, met up with Dwayne and his lovely wife Katrina, and my friend Amy, and we just sat around at Rock Bottom and ate hors d'oeuvres and drank, and then finally had to cut out and head home so I could do the podcast. So fairly busy week, holiday weekends here, and you know I've got a variety of things going on. All right, all right, folks, that is it with our brother. What you drinking? And uh, we had some uh, interesting flashback uh, Friday. Ken, as I said, we always live vicariously through you. I cannot have another Mickey's. I will be done. You poor <laughs> bastards! <laughs> Holy Christ! God, that stuff's nasty. <laughs> Did you trip? Yeah, I knocked it off so I could. Try to wash my palate out with a Wee Mac. Yeah, I was kind enough to bring him Wee Mac. I figured he'd need that after the turpentine. He oh, just God. choked down. I'm gonna have a headache tomorrow. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it with uh, brother. What you drinking? We are now moving on to clips. Clips, our favorite part of the show, and I've got some here. They're they're not that great. This is not a clip fest type of movie, but uh, I got a few. So here we go. Number one. 
So the earliest mention of the word zombie was in a memo from Camp Humphreys in South Korea. We haven't had contact with them since, but this could lead us to the origin. If we knew where this thing started, then we'd have a chance of developing a vaccine to stop it. Actually, I think this might be the first movie, the first zombie movie, where they actually use the word zombie in it, when you come think about it. And that's fine, because, you know what, if we had something like this breakout right now, what would we call them? I'd call them zombies. Zombies, that's... We call people that we see on the streets now zombies at times, but... All right, number two. My guys will get you in. You assist the doctor, pursue any leads. My guys will get you out. We do the heavy lifting. Can't help you. Can't leave my family. Take a look around here, Mr. Lane. Each and every one of these people are here because they serve a purpose. There's no room here for non-essential personnel. There's a long line of people waiting for one of those bugs. And that was kind of the, I, I thought that was a pretty poignant part of the movie. It's like, okay, you think we just like sent a chopper to get you over here so you could lay on your ass while we did all the work? That was one thing that bugged me in this movie is the number of people that died just so Brad Pitt's scruffy, unshaven face could wander around the world. Well, he had a job to do. I mean, everybody else had their jobs to do, too, so. Yeah, but his wife. Yeah. She was, she cost one of the best characters their lives in the movie. She's ringing him back up when they're riding the squeaky bicycles. Which I don't understand that whole scene. Oh yeah, that yeah, that scene there when they're writing this. Well, you know what? I blame Brad Pitt. It's like, all right, turn the phone off, put on vibrate, put them all in, all in the armored truck. Yeah. Well, no, because the truck makes noise. But you know what? If I'm going to ride out on a bunch of bikes, there's got to be some gun oil in the armory. (laughs) Right. Put put on the chains. Right. Because those bikes. Where did they get those three bikes? Did they just like? Did they go beat up a couple of little old Korean ladies and steal them from them? They must have. They must have. Jeez. I mean, bikes are big in Korea, I think. Yeah, I, I, I did you guys say anything about oiling those wheels or the chain or anything? Because those bikes made about as much noise as a minigun. Right, exactly. So, All right. But go, let's, let's exactly. on. I want to go back to that That general's comment was was exactly what they would say. Every space here is needed. And then, of course, we saw later in the movie, they end up kicking them off anyway. Well, yeah. They at least put them, I mean, they didn't at least, you know, drop them off in New Jersey again. I mean, they, you know, they were at least, you know, <laughs> humane about it and said, well, you're going to go a little over here, which is, you know, well guarded. But, you know, it, it's, it was a no BS assessment of what actually is needed. You know what? We need these bunks and we need people. This isn't a humanitarian mission. This is, this is, if you're here for a good reason, you can stay. If not, you got to go. Right. Well, let's see. Number three. The noise. Are they drawn to it? Yeah. Sound draws them. Body shots only seem to slow them down. Headshots do the trick, but just to be safe, we tend to burn them when we can. Well, I guess that's how you deal with zombies. But I did love that scene when they were in that cell where the burned out bodies were and there was still that one finger twitching on the yep. burned out carcass. Right. Alright, uh, Mark, this goes for you. This fool stands right in the mix. Well, seven or eight of them turn Zeke all at the same time. They got no time for old dirty bastard here. Biting everything like fat kids love twigs. <laughs> oh, 
Jack Garner got that. <laughs> yep. When I heard that, I'm like, that's it. That's the one for the week. <laughs> Biting on everything like fat kids left wicks. Oh gosh. And so, I love what, I love what the, what the, the military guys call, call them. They're not zombies. They're Zeeks. Zeeks. Yeah. All right. Let's see. We got, uh, number five. And who are you? You in. Oh my god. <laughs> Captain, put on the world music. The day is saved. That was David Morse. Sounding like he actually had all of his teeth pulled out too. I forgot just how much I really liked David Morse until I saw him again in this movie. I mean, that that dude has a presence about him. And when he is pulling out his teeth, it was one of those moments I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like just grimacing. That was, that was rough to watch. Yeah. I'll tell you, I may have to find the movie. There was a movie he was in, um, with Bruce Willis. It's not very well known. I might have been one of those straight to DVD movies. I'm going to find the movie. You guys have got to see it. And as a matter of fact, this could be a man cave movie. It, it's really good. So well, anyway, it, sound, it sounds like it. Yeah. Number six. Why'd you sell guns to the north? Why not? Are they surviving this? Indeed they are. Using your guns? Guns are half measures. How then? They pull the teeth of all 23 million in less than 24 hours. The greatest feat of social engineering in history. Ow! Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of pliers. Yeah, I don't think they have enough Novocaine on hand to do that. I, I suspect that was done on a, a more direct system. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Novocaine was involved. So, all right. Uh, number seven. You kidding me? I'm a goddamn Z. I got you, Captain. Just say the word. Sorry, boys. I got this one. I hated that part. I hate the part that, I mean, this is, I mean, he was a cool dude and he gets bit and he just, he takes himself out. So it, it was a, but, it was a tough scene. It was one of the cooler scenes though. It was, they, they, they knew the dangers and they knew what they had to do. There was no hesitation. All right. Number eight. We're letting people in. Every human being we saved is one less only to fight. And that was when he was in Israel. Or yeah, one, one more on the buffet line. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, this movie got, I read a few commentaries that this movie got some uh, shit because it made Israel look too good. Because they were bringing in anybody. It doesn't matter if you came from Palestine or whatever, they were bringing in anyone. And I... Well, you know my views on, on Israel. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, shoulder to shoulder with those guys. So, all right. Last and certainly not least. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. I'm glad to report that we are on our final approach to Cardiff Airport in Wales. All European airports are under lockdown, but we have been given priority status and cleared for landing. We will be allowed to disembark. We are very, very lucky. Until the whole grenade thing. <laughs> Until the whole grenade thing happens. 
Can I tell you a part of the movie that I hated? The airplane was scene. Was it grenade? The airplane scene. Yeah. I kind of liked it. All right, Jeff, why didn't you like the airplane scene? I didn't – because, again, we've got to find a ridiculous situation that – of course, I know, of course, we have to get a zombie on here, but how we get a zombie on there is just dumb. And and then it just goes to to freaking hell from there. Um, I, I just felt it was one of those forced moments. It's the it's the bridge over the dry riverbed moment for me in the movie. And well, the the, the great wall of stupidity right up there, too. Yeah, yeah. Again, when you got people hitting you like, you know. Dick Butkus, um, on, on steroids. Uh, yeah, a wall of luggage isn't going to stop anything. And it, it didn't. I mean, <laughs> but I did like, I mean, the, the only part of that I liked was when Brad Pitt was, you know, organizing the resistance on the plane. Um, I thought, okay, well, this, this is, I guess this is the best you can do. But yeah, um, you know, the grenade, sure, that, that that's fine, but I'm just glad that, he survived the inevitable crash. That's the whole superhero thing I go back to. You, you always knew he was going to walk away from it. Yeah. If he's got a, a sucking chest wound, eh, you know, it's just going to slow him down and he'll wince once. Actually, it was in his side. Oh, well, oh, pardon me. It was. It missed It missed his bowels. It missed any vital organs. Because it had it been any place else, you know, he would have been dead within Kidney, a liver, mile. Right. But anyways, and, and you know that's why I hate. And the it. Israeli defense force woman didn't go into shock at all when she had her hand cut off. And then right, right, and yeah, she's saving she's saving him an hour later, right? Oh, come on, it's not right. like this doesn't happen in every movie ever made. It, it, it's it's common. It's yeah, I. It's adrenaline. Yeah, eventually, an airline bottle survived. Hey, Ken, do you think that was vanilla vodka she was drinking? No. Yeah. All right, folks, that is it with clips. We're going to talk about a little trivia. Jeff has a few things that he would like to share with us. Hey. Since he's been gone for like the last six, seven months. Hey, here's so. a couple of things I thought were interesting. Thanks, Steve. Um, a total of 85 prop machine guns, rifles, and pistols uh, to be used in the scenes filmed in Hungary were confiscated by counterterrorism customs officers in Budapest, Hungary, after being flown in from London. Hungarian authorities said the guns could be activated by removing the screws filling the ends of the barrels. Hungarian law law requires weapons to be deactivated only if the process is irreversible. Uh, The the movie's weapons supervisor, Bella Gajos, commented that a permit for the weapons had been issued by Hungarian police. Reports claimed that the main actor, Brad Pitt, was furious at the seizure, but producers said it had not delayed filming. I like that one. That's yes. cool. Originally, the film had a different ending. In it, the plane lands in Moscow rather than crash. The passengers are rounded up, and the elderly and sick are executed. Jerry is drafted into the Russian army. An unknown period of time passes, and we see Jerry fighting the, the zombies. He re- realizes the zombies are weak in the cold. The film ended with him getting back to the U.S. and landing a D-Day-like invasion against the undead on the Oregon coast. The ending that was used instead made the movie less brutal and ended it with a glimpse of hope. Talk about disjointed. Yeah, I'm glad they got rid of that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that, it just would have been a totally different movie that I don't think we would have maybe, I, I don't think we would have appreciated it as much. I think we, even we would have said, what the hell is this? Cause actually, and, you know, if zombies showed up in Russia, you know, it would just result in Vladimir Putin ripping off his shirt, flexing his biceps, jumping on his bear and riding into combat and knocking them all out. <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. I'd and Steve, this one, yeah. <laughs> Steve, this last one here is for you. Filming took place in several areas of the UK, including Cornwall, England, where the UN control room scene was filmed alongside scenes on the Ministry of Defense primary casualty receiving facility, or PCRF. The RAF Argus, AS on the flight deck. Uh, filming also took place in Glasgow, Scotland, with the streets made to look like those in Philadelphia with many American cars, trucks, taxis, and street signage shipped in from the U.S. Because I was off Scottish as crap! <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Monty, you're I don't know how many shows. We got through to this point. We had to do trivia tonight. <laughs> I've had to do my Scottish battle cry for a while here. You're, wa- yeah, you're yes. welcome. And, oh, as a, as a bonus trivia piece, Ed Harris and Brian Cranston were originally cast in the movie, but both dropped out due to sh- scheduling difficulties. Shit. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for bringing some of the, uh, the great trivia into this uh, great and fantastic film. That's why I'm here. About time. All right, so we're done with uh, Jeff's trivia. And, um, and, and I do appreciate him uh, bringing that in so I could do my, uh, <clears throat> customary Scottish battle cry, even though I don't have an ounce of Scottish blood in me, but that's okay. So it's now time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. Number one. <laughs> Did anyone jump through a window? Zombie beat his head through a car window and... I'll take it. There you go, Mark. I'll take it. That was the key. That was the key one. The very first thing you saw, yeah. the very first zombie bite you saw was a zombie going through a yeah. car window. I'm like, there you go. There we go. You knew we were screwed at that point. There was no way we were surviving oh, yeah. this. <laughs> when tempered glass doesn't slow him down. It reminded me of the scene in The Jerk. It was like, they're going for the glass. They're shooting the oil cans <laughs> next. <laughs> Oh All I can God. say is when the jerk came out, I was working at a gas station pumping gas, so that movie spoke to me. <laughs> I've still got my old gas station uniform here. I'll put of it on someday you and of see if you... Uh, you and I still do. fit in it. <laughs> of course you do. Oh, my God. I got the full outfit. All right. Number two. Next one. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a lift tire roll in this movie? All right, Mark's shaking his head. He has one. Here we go. Tell me you all don't agree that we could have done without the wife. I'm going to say no, because they, they this whole, uh, we talked at the beginning about how they, they took this book and created the script out of it and basically made up Brad Pitt to be the, the connector. And they wanted Brad Pitt to be just an average, normal family guy. And if you're going to be an average, normal family guy, he had to have a family. But she had no compelling role. She, well, she did. It, it, she was the drive for him to get off the ship. He wasn't going to go. Oh. 
He wasn't going to risk himself to go do this. He was done. Oh, she's just horrible. Awful. <laughs> she was only in it for like five minutes of total TV time. Yeah, and that was five minutes I can't get back. I'm with Ken. Of her pushing buttons on the lithium I'm phone. I'm with Ken. I, I think she was just fine. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Could Tawny Katane, I'm sorry. Could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? And I guess it's interchangeable since there were two female roles in this movie. She could have played the wife. I don't think she could have played um, the badass. Sagan. I second. Sagan. Yeah. Yeah. Which apparently means lieutenant. Yeah. What? That's what Sagan yeah. means in uh, in Hebrew. Oh, it does. Yeah. That's cool. More trivia for you. Man, I'm just spewing it out tonight. You are spewing. Yeah. Well, you know what? Get some tissue. I don't want that on this uh, podcast. podcast. <laughs> let's keep it clean. It's a kid's show, all right? All right. Uh, so let's see. Uh, next one here. Was there a AT montage in this movie? Well, let's see. There's uh, a lot of dead silence there, so I will say there's there's kind of like a little bit of a mini montage uh, in the uh, the Hispanic yeah, couple's that was apartment. The only one I could, the only one I could yeah, yeah. When he's wrapping the Playboys and duct tape around his arms and um, uh, doing the bayonet on the rifle, yeah, that's about as close to an AT montage as you're going to get. I'm, I'm putting it up to the uh, the council here for uh, a vote. I'll say no. I'm going to go with no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're done. That's it. No AT montage in this movie. All right. And last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? Anybody else want to take the honors? It's a go nuclear it. bomb level. It's, it's the great cloud. It is the great maker, isn't it? The, the great machine. What did I miss? Oh, you missed the, oh, the, right, the king Jeff, daddy, Steve. The king daddy. It is J. Michael Straczynski. Creator of Babylon 5. Yeah, I know who he is. I Yeah, he was one of the principal uh, screenwriters. No shit. Yep. yep. There yeah. You. I've well, obviously missed that one. And this actually solves the mystery of whatever happened to Babylon 1, 2, and 3. Zombies! <laughs> yeah. And four. <laughs> now we know what happened to four. It was in a time warp. That's why yeah, you said one, two, and three. Right. Oh, gosh. All right. Very well done. Nice, Jeff. That Talk about pulling one out for the team there. That's great. All right, folks. That's it with the uh, checklist. Now we're going on to the uh, the Man Cave Mover Review. You're, a, you're the you big are, zombie You know, fan Steve, you are. You are the best one to sum this up. All right. I will sum this one up. Uh, for my review of this movie, like I said, I really did like this one mainly because it took a different twist on the entire zombie uh, apocalypse genre that's out there right now. Like I mentioned before earlier in the show, most of these zombie movies, it's all about, you know, a band of survivors trying to survive. And there's no, I mean, there's no end game other than survive. Where in this one, it is what I think 
and we mentioned this earlier before, is that this is like during the very early parts of it, or, or maybe, you know, like the mid part of the, the outbreak where there's still some, you know, functioning authority. There, it's not just complete dystopian future at this point where they're still trying to figure out how do we stop this, cure it, whatever. And I thought that's neat because, I mean, unless there's some other ones out there I'm not aware of, this is the first one I ever saw that actually showed, you know, the zombie movies from that perspective. And I really did enjoy it. I thought it was pretty good. That's the reason I really like this movie. It pulls that totally different perspective on the zombie apocalypse movies. I thought it was well shot. I like the idea, like Jeff brought up before, that you go to different, uh, you know, different parts of the world. Kind of like that little James Bond theme going there. So, I mean, I like this movie. I don't know. I, I, I think as zombie apocalypse movies go, I mean, it's different. It doesn't have the same amount of action that you're going to see in the other ones. So from an action standpoint, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on this. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an eight, eight and a quarter. Anyway, that's my review. Eight and a quarter. Highly recommend it. Go see it. You will not be disappointed. Any follow-ups? Anybody that is like horribly divergent from my review, speak up now or forever hold your peace. Go ahead, Mark. You know you want to. No, I'm just going to say I'm not. I'm not going to go in that high because of what I said earlier that I just thought it was a bit disjointed, and and I thought it was just a bit flat in the acting, um, and I think that took away from some of the compelling interest of the global view. So I I would have pegged it at a seven. Solid solid in the zombie entree, um, and hopeful. And I and I don't discredit the actors for that. They were working with what they had, and I thought the cinematography was solid. I think it just really reflects the difficulties they had of translating this book into a movie, and that showed with the number of screenwriters and that the back quarter or third of the movie was completely reshot. So I, I think that's more of a production producer-director issue than anything. I'm going to mirror what you uh, said to a large degree, and I'm going to give it a seven. Steve, just so you know, I'm falling more towards you. I'd give it a seven and a half, seven and three quarters. Um, just because I did like the story, um, maybe not some of the specific events. And, and I, I don't think that the acting was terribly lacking. Um, I, I feel that especially knowing where it could have gone and where it ended up, um, you know, I, I think it was a, a nice solid movie. And I do agree with you. I think if people were going to watch it on Netflix or, or rent it, they will not be burnt by it. Um, if they are, if they are open to this type of genre of movie, um, if it, if you're not, then you know, like with anything, just wave off of it. If you don't really get zombie movies or um, or James Bond movies, but I, I do like the uh, as you said, the uh, it 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 stays fresh throughout the movie by going from location to location. And there are a few things that, of course, bother me. We've talked about them, but. But I, I think it was more of a solid movie, and I think it is because I went into it with, like you've always said, little expectations. And I think when we go into movies with low expectations, um, we, we can't get hurt um, too bad. So, um, you know, we <clears throat> I definitely didn't go into the, like a Prometheus outlook, which I don't know if I ever will again. Well, I'll tell you what, I didn't. I didn't even go to it uh you know, I even kind of tempered myself with Godzilla. I thought I don't want to get too high up on this because um, it could be a Prometheus. But um, 
um, you know, yeah, go into it just with uh, level expectations, and and you'll be fine. All right. Well, there you go. There's the reviews. I think we're all pretty much in the ballpark. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit more biased because I'm a fan of these uh, this particular genre. And like I said, I mean, I've seen my shitty zombie movies before, but this one this one held up a lot better than I expected. So there. All right, so folks, that's it with the Man Cave Movie Review of episode 117, where we talked about World War Z. Uh, check us out at our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review and leave us a comment and tell us if you liked the show or didn't like it. And you can follow us on, um, I'm sorry, you can also look for us on Stitcher and follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. And also don't forget our Facebook page at Man Cave Movie Review and uh, give us a like and share us with your friends. So until next week, where we're going to be talking about another great Man Cave movie review, and this one's going to be a classic, folks, and I'm not going to give any hints. Mark will be giving out a movie quote, and I'm sure somebody out there is already going to figure it out in like three seconds, but that's okay. Uh, so until then, I'm your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. If you're going to chop off my hand, I want bourbon slover. Most people don't believe something can happen until it already has. That's not stupidity or weakness. That's just the nature of the Man Cave Movie Review Podcast. <laughs> nice. Well done. Uh, and also saying farewell and Avita Zayan is our other good and dear friend, Ken. CPAs and lawyers are essential personnel during the zombie apocalypse. Roni. Well, like I said earlier, yeah, they're, they're essential, but they're just essentially going to be eaten. <laughs> Well, they're essential food they're essential for the zombies. essential food for the zombies, right. And everybody, exactly. the, the trouble is, you know, when, when the zombies come after the attorneys and the accountants, you know, if people are quiet, the zombies won't get inflamed. But since all the other people around will be clapping and yelling and pointing at the attorneys, we're doomed. <laughs> nice. All right, and... Last and certainly not least, coming back from his uh, long overdue absence, our favorite penny on the rail, Jeff. I hate fast zombies. Muncie. Jeff. It helps to take the uh, mute button off, doesn't it, Steve? Well, thank you, Steve. <laughs> we run a professional. Welcome to WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> Idiot. Hey there, fellow babies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. <laughs> Were you talking into your, Were you talking into the can? I, was, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here anymore. It's just when you thought it was like riding a bicycle, it gets tougher and tougher, especially after three or four beers. Um, hey, it's been great being back. Thanks for having me uh, to my many fins, fans, fans, fans. To the left, <laughs> to the, fins to the right. <laughs> Good night, all. I'm gonna stop talking. Muncie out. All right, folks, that's it with the show. Good Lord. We'll see you next week. Ciao. And that's like a whole new take. I think that's why I really liked about this is because it was a different 
type of storyline about you know your your classic zombie movies. It wasn't about just a band of survivors trying to survive. I mean, you had that in little pockets, but it was about how do we? Jeff, put your chew toy away. Dog just brought that thing down here. (laughs) Seriously. Play. Play, play, play. Play. Anyway, um, we're (laughs) what? Sorry, I'm trying to time the mute button. (laughs) Go ahead. Is his little stubby tail just wagging? He is all about. He's just so it's proud of himself. A little blue football. I mean, it's just, it's just a great toy. We can throw it around. It just makes the most adorable squeaking sound, doesn't it? Trying to work here. Please, please continue. 